Blog Talk Radio. Good morning in the ancient <clears throat> Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapah. <clears throat> Welcome to the show, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Bible Talk. Uh, I'd like to <clears throat> wish everybody a very good morning on the eve of the debauchery, unfortunately, that's going to take place this evening, uh, known as Halloween, the most pagan and demonic day that it is, and we are unfortunate enough to still be here in the year of our Lord, 2023, in the belly of the beast, man, in this wicked-ass, God-forsaken place, man. Everybody is healthy. I hope everybody had a, a good weekend, a good Shabbat. Uh, a lot of stuff went on this weekend, man. A lot of stuff went on, uh, and a lot of stuff that um, Christ warned us about in Matthew chapter 24. Excuse me for a second, young. Where he talked about wars and rumors of wars. Uh, also in Isaiah, when it talks about uh, every man shall turn to his own people. So those prophecies are coming to fruition, y'all. A lot of stuff went down this weekend, man. Um, the whole world, right now, the whole world is basically at war. Um, even though it's not, um, not in all cases a physical war, but it's a war of opinions and um, convictions, uh, whether you're on the side of the Israeli people, the nominals, the fake Jews, or whether you're on the side of the Ishmaelites, the so-called Arabs. Um, everybody's being forced to pick a side, man. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful Dangerous time <laughs> in the world, but and I said this last week, man. <clears throat> it is a wonderful time to be teaching, man. It's a beautiful time for us as Israelites to be teaching. I want to send shouts out to uh, all the brothers, man, worldwide, teaching that are on the battlefield and on the front lines, man. Uh, specifically, I forget the name of the, the, the group of the brothers. Shame on me. I should have got their names. The brothers that were in Chicago, man, um, teaching this weekend and had an altercation with some protesters, man. Um, I believe they may have been Palestinian protesters or they were the Israeli protesters. But they had a, a run-in with them, man, and they went to fisticuffs. This weekend, they was banging, man. So I want to send shouts out to those brothers, man, and uh, ask the Most High to protect, to watch over, and keep those brothers safe, man, for being out there on the front lines. I also want to say to the brothers that are out on the front lines, man, to be vigilant, man. Be vigilant like the scriptures tell us. It tells us, uh, be vigilant, be sober. It's because your adversary, the devil, uh, walking about, seeing who he might, 
seeking whom he may devour. <clears throat> I don't want any brothers uh, getting caught up, getting hurt, but at the same time, the word did say that we were going to die for it, man. And if we're following Yahushua, we could expect nothing less. Because what did Yahushua die for? He died for the word. Hell, he was the word. Um, we don't get into that, man. <clears throat> I want to also send shouts out to all our affiliated schools. And excuse me this morning, y'all. I got some sinus issues going on. Um, some mucus that <clears throat> all praise to the Most High is coming up. It's coming up, and I'm spitting it out, <clears throat> but it's kind of interrupting with my vocals, man, here and there. So if y'all see me going in and out, uh, just forgive me and just understand that I'm dealing with um, some, I ain't going to say health issues, but changing weather, man, because it got real nippy here in San Antonio. Uh, started, what, Sunday night, the temperature dropped, and um, it has not <laughs> risen yet. Uh, we're still in, what, I think the 50s, 40-something degrees, <clears throat> but uh, it's supposed to heat up, I believe, tomorrow in the weekend, they said. Anyway, we'll see. Um, yeah, I want to send shout out, like I said, to our affiliated schools. Our brothers here in San Antonio uh, wore last night. I didn't check his class out last night. Um, I was at the plantation, and then uh, I was preparing for this morning. But he mentioned uh, Saturday in Sabbath class that he was going to go over current events uh, in his Monday class. Uh, I did not. Like I said, I was not fortunate enough to check it out. I go back on YouTube or archives and check it out. Uh, SOT, y'all. Y'all check it out as well. <clears throat> he was going into the current events, which he, he did a little bit on Saturday, uh, very informative, um, very astute brother. Check him out, y'all. I uh, want to send shouts out to him. Uh, shouts out to all the brothers in San Antonio. Uh, shouts out to our brothers up in Virginia, Kazaki and the crew. Shouts also goes out to um, the brother, Quattro Zab, down at H-Town. And shouts out to Zayanala up in Rochester, New York. Shouts out to uh, my brother Aish, uh, Dariad, and those brothers out in Albuquerque. Shouts out to Kyle Cobb down in Guatemala, our brothers in Canada, Atlanta, and California. Shouts out to y'all too, man. Shouts out to the 12 tribes that are scattered worldwide, y'all, all over the globe, man. <clears throat> so... Let's go ahead and get into it like I always do, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory <clears throat> forever. <clears throat> Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on a daily, especially right now, y'all, in the heap of things, because we are closer. Like our brother Paul said, our salvation is uh, nearer than what we believe. We're getting close to the end, man. So we definitely want to be sending these prayers up on a daily 
so we can get the hell on out of this wicked ass place, man. I'm sick of it. It's like the Zaki and the niggas joking about it a couple of weeks back <laughs> and making references to uh, the Matrix. Y'all remember that the, uh, singing in the Matrix? He said, "It's the smell." <laughs> that was the machine talking about how he wanted to get the hell out of the Matrix. The machine. <laughs> this place. It's the smell. The machine was talking about how he wanted to leave this damn place, man. And though it was a fictional character and it was theatrical, it was very real. And that hit home. So y'all going to be sipping in between. I got some tea going, trying to get my vocals right, man. Uh, Let's get Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high brought you to it. He'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it. Please believe me. Definitely, y'all. All right, so the first article I want to get into is from the Jewish Chronicle. And it reads, um, Tory MP Paul Bristol sacked after urging Rashai Sunak to back a ceasefire in Gaza. So this cat, Tory MP Paul Bristol, uh, he's a minister of parliament. This is what the MP is for, over in Britain. So he's part of the, the uh, British uh, Ministry of Parliament. And he lost his job. He lost his job for urging a ceasefire, man. It reads, it says, a conservative MP who controversially employed a former counselor suspended from the Labor Party for alleged anti-Semitism has been fired from his junior government post for urging the prime minister to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. So this is the Edomite, <clears throat> so-called white guy, and he's urging the prime minister of Britain to call for a ceasefire in Gaza, and he got fired because of it. I hope y'all are seeing the influence that these nominals have, these small hats have, man, around the globe. And the, the reason they have such influence is because they have enormous, enormous sources of wealth, and with wealth brings power, and with power, influence. So you can influence and get people to say and do things that they normally wouldn't do and get them to compromise their position and compromise their character. Well, this guy said he's not going to compromise his character. He's going to stand on all ten toes, (laughs) even if it costs him his job. So stand up against the small hat. So this is white, essentially, white-on-white crime. (laughs) All right, it says uh, Paul Bristow, the MP for Petersburg, wrote to Rashid Sunak last week saying, there should be a permanent break in hostilities and asked him what steps the government was taking to ensure that people in Gaza do not face collective punishment for the crimes of Hamas. 
a ceasefire, Vistro said, would save lives and allow humanitarian aid to reach those who need it the most. And I don't know if y'all been keeping up with Y'all really ain't got no choice, man, because we've been been uh, bombarded uh, by various news publications that want to just keep throwing this issue in your face about how the Israelis are um, being held hostage in uh, inhumane conditions and how Hamas is barbaric and they're murderers and they rape women and they kill babies and X, Y, Z. And this is the thing that gets me about Esau, man. Esau, y'all up in arms and y'all calling the world to protest Hamas' brutal treatment of Israelis, specifically babies and women. But did y'all ancestors kill y'all bashed little infants? Little infant Israelites, and I'm talking about the tribe of Reuben and Gad, bashed them in the heads with the heels of y'all boots in order to spare bullets so y'all wouldn't waste bullets. So our people, the Israelites, weren't even worthy of bullets. You killed our infants with the heel of your boots. Now, this is how America was founded. Remember Manifest Destiny, the whole... Um, go west, young man, go west. All the explorers of the west, your Lewis and Clarks, your uh, Sam Houston and all them damn clowns, Daniel Booms, went west. And what did they do? They cleared that land off. The clearing of the west. Who were they clearing off? 66 billion Native Americans lost their lives in the conquest of the West. You don't believe me? Go back and do some research. I know, I know. Research is not popular because truth is not popular these days. If it's not a, what is it, a two-second, 30-second Snapchat, Snapchat, TikTok, be quick on Instagram, Facebook, then nobody is interested. So I'm going to challenge you all to settle your minds down for more than 30 seconds. Get your attention span together for more than one minute to actually watch and not watch, but read and educate yourself on some history that happened in the establishment of this country they call great, which is the land of our captivity, America. But I'm bringing this out to show us how deeply hypocritical our captors are. You blame other people. You point the finger at other people for doing the exact same thing that you did that got you this country. You stole a whole country. You're criminals. You're criminals. But you're pointing the finger at other criminals? I guess the old uh, common saying, (laughs) there is no honor (laughs) amongst thieves, holds true. 
anyway, going back to this article, it says um, a ceasefire, Bristol said, would save lives and allow humanitarian aid to reach those who need it the most. Bristol acknowledged that the brutal Hamas attacks against civilians are unforgivable. The strategy of bombing Gaza will lead to the release of hostages. So he say he sympathizes with the Arabs, but he does not understand the position of the Israelis. So he's calling his people out. And because he called his people out, he got fired. So reading on, Downing Street confirmed today that Bristow had been sacked from his post as a uh, parliamentary private secretary in the deputy, I'm sorry, in the Department of Science, Innovation, and Technology. So this dude was pretty high-ranking, and he held some very significant uh, offices. It says, according to a spokesman, his comments were not, listen to this, consistent with the principles of collective responsibilities. You know, uh, how you ever watch a movie or a show or a documentary and they said, uh, and they'll, they'll have a disclaimer, and they'll say that the things that are expressed in this documentary or this syndication is not reflective of the, the thoughts and the opinions of whatever establishment that's showing the show or hosting whatever. <laughs> this is basically what they're doing right here. He's like, hey, man, look, he does not represent us all by his comments or his statements. You know, it's called uh, CYA, <laughs> covering your ass. All right, reading on, it says, the JC revealed in September that Bristol had employed former uh, chan- counselor, or Chandler, no, counselor, uh, Ansar Ali, who was suspended from labor in 2021 after saying he was boycotting the biased BBC (laughs) because it didn't want to upset the Zionist lobby. Mm. He was reinstated the following year, but eventually resigned from the party and joined the, the Tories. Ali had also shared posts referring to Nazi Zionists and asking how many MPs were working for Israel. So he asked how many uh, ministers of parliament were were working for Israel. He called them out. He posted a claim that a Nazi-era medal struck from propaganda purposes with a Star David on one side and a swastika on the other side was evidence of Nazi Zionist collaboration. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> when this was uh, pointed out to Bristol, he apologized for what he described as a failure to do due diligence. So Bristol didn't do this. This cat he hired, uh, and his name is what's his name? Uh, let me see. <clears throat> and Ansar Ali. I'm guessing he was uh, an Ishmaelite. That's that's what the name suggests anyway. So he had to step in and apologize for what his employee did. It says, however, he said 
he would continue to employ Ali, or he kept his job, as a caseworker and translator in his constituency office because he regretted his previous actions and wanted to apologize. Ali told the JC at the time, in the past I have commented and shared social media posts that I now fully understand would have caused hurt and distress to members of the Jewish faith. This was wrong, and I deeply regret any hurt I have caused to the Jewish community and others. That is like the uh, cookie-cutter apology when you say anything wrong against those nominals, those fake Jews, the small hats. That's the cookie-cutter apology that everybody issues, right? It's like it's verbatim, word for word. They have it scripted, and they give it to everybody that upset these people. Bristow, whose uh, consistency, consistency, uh, cons, uh, yeah, consistency, electoral is twelve percent Muslim. Oh, okay, is also chair of the all-party parliamentary group of Muslims. <clears throat> His sacking comes as Home Security uh, Sula Braverman. Bra- 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 retaliates, uh, I'm sorry, reiterates the government's pledge to review existing laws on hate speech. Here we go, hate speech, and you know who's that. Following another weekend of protests, March featuring chants call for the destruction of Israel. Y'all see this, right? Everybody's up in arms, man. Pick a side. Choose up. This is where we're at right now. Beautiful time. Speaking of Sky News, Braverman said she did not wish to intrude on the operational independence of the police and Crown Persecution Service. Uh, Bristow said, I completely understand the Prime Minister's decision, and it is with regret I have, with regret I leave a job I enjoy. But I can now talk openly about an issue so many of my constituents care deeply about, I believe I can do this better from the back benches rather than as part of the government payroll. (laughs) So you ever heard this man, don't bite the hand that feeds you? He's saying that now he can speak his mind because he's no longer employed by these people. So he's not at their um, will. All right, y'all, let me get the next article. Hold on for a second. Let me pull it up, if it will allow me to. Oh, yeah, I'm tripping. Here we go. All right, y'all, check this one out. Let me turn this up. Israel in Lincolnwood. These are the very tense moments immediately after that shot was fired. You can see people scattering, running for cover amid the chaos and confusion. Police were able to subdue the shooter, take him into custody. No word yet on any charges here. In a separate skirmish, a Chicago police officer and two protesters sustained minor injuries 
after being pepper sprayed themselves, resulting in a second arrest. This all unfolded at a counter-protest taking place near a Solidarity with Israel rally in Skokie. We spoke with people attending both events. Not only are we here in support of the Palestinian people, but we're here to say that if you're doing a rally in support of Israel, essentially you're doing a rally in support of war crimes. We need to encourage peaceful coexistence regardless of what our religious background is. We live in a country where there's supposed to be plurality of beliefs uh, and that we're united together. Lincolnwood police say the investigation into the event at the rally are still ongoing. It, all right, so this is what went down. This is what went down this weekend in Chicago. Uh, and this is what this was the protest that I uh, talked about earlier that the brothers were at. Hold on for a second, y'all. Yeah, this was the protest. Um, I was talking about earlier that the brothers were at, <clears throat> they got caught up in the mix of it. Uh, they, I guess they went down to the street teach, and they got caught up, man. And they got a lot of footage of those brothers <laughs> uh, fighting. And even after the fight, you can hear them yelling, Kwam Yasha Allah. Uh, the, the news media looked completely over who these brothers were, their purpose of, of them being there. You know, like they always do, they spin stuff. And basically made it look as if these brothers were supporting either side, either the Israelis or the uh, Ishmaelite people, the Arab people, when in fact the brothers don't support either side because they understand that all of this is, like the scripture says, the controversy of Zion, man. And the controversy of Zion is referring to the real inhabitants, the, the original inhabitants of the land, the Israelites, who uh, basically took it from the Canaanites <clears throat> by way of the Most High. So they, those brothers down there, they understand that, Kwame and Um But I want us to pay attention to what this, the dude was saying. He was talking about peace and how America is this place where you're entitled to your own opinion and whatnot. So I just want to read this. This is Isaiah chapter 45. And verse 5, and I want everybody to understand this, man, as I read it. Isaiah 45, verse 5, I am the Lord, and there is none else. So we find out here, <laughs> only one. You know, like the scriptures tell us in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 and verse 4, I believe it is, it says, Hear, O Israel. <laughs> The Lord our God is one. There's only one most high, y'all. There's only one God. The God of the Bible is not um, polyamorous <laughs> or uh, poly polytheistic. He's monotheistic. He's one. There's only one God. The God of the Bible is the God of the Bible. And I'm saying this because a lot of people will say, well, that's not my God. Well, if you're making statements like that, when you see the Most High smash people, when you see how the Most High only chose one uh, peculiar people, those being the Israelite peoples, 
that are scattered throughout the four corners of the of the globe. Uh, specifically speaking from my point of view, uh, the people that are scattered here in South Central, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in North North America, Central America, and South America, people of Negroid, Indian, uh, Native American descent, he's the God of those people and those people only. Historically, prophetically, uh, you can use secular sources to also prove this. He's that God. So when you make statements like, oh, not my God, <clears throat> then your God is not the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible says these things. All right, so reading this again, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 4. For Jacob, I'm sorry, verse 5. Matter of fact, let me start in verse 4. That's the spirit. Isaiah 45 and 4. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect. Now, when he says Jacob, remember Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So Jacob, Israel, names were synonymous. And that man Jacob had 12 sons. His 12 sons make up the nation of Israel. So read this again, Isaiah 45 and 4. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, elect means chosen. So who did the Most High choose? He chose Israel. Out of all the nations he created, because he made everybody, he still chose Israel. We went over this countless times to prove this. But ain't the point right here. I want to get to another point. It says, Israel, my, my elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. And a lot of us don't know the most high. That's why we'll say statements like, oh, not my God. My God is not racist. Or my God is not prejudiced. The God of the Bible is prejudiced. He is selective. He is um, exclusive. Not inclusive, but exclusive. Verse 5, I am the Lord. And there is none else. There is no God beside me. So you can make up in your own imagination your version of God, who you think God is, who you think God loves. You can come up with your own fantasies about God. But if you're calling yourself worshiping and praising the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible is, like I said, exclusive to only one group of people. And he does hate people. He does kill people. So he says, there is none beside him. He says, I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Now listen to this. That they may know from the rising of the sun, who might know, that the whole world might know, from the rising of the sun, the sun rises in the east, sets in the west. It says, and from the west, there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I'm going to let that marinate. There is no other God but the Most High. The Most High. The buck stops with him, y'all. Is the devil in control? Is the devil running? No. According to this, no. Y'all better go back and read Job, the first and second chapter. Who did Satan have to go to get permission to, to, to um, bum rush Job? He had to get permission from the Most High, his creator, not his opponent, not his adversary, his creator. Now listen to this, verse 7. This is the part I want to get to. 
I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace. The Most High said he makes peace. That dude was talking about we're supposed to have peace, 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 peace. People are marching in the street right now for peace, peace, peace. He's talking about peace in the Middle East. How long have you heard this damn slogan? How long have you heard this chanted? Forever. If it ain't no peace in the so-called Middle East, then why isn't there peace? I'm going to read this again, Isaiah 45 and 7. I form the light, and I create darkness. I make peace. The reason ain't no peace in the Middle East is because the most I don't want it to be no peace. He don't. Now listen to this part. And create evil. So why is it evil going on in the Middle East right now? Who created it? The God of the Bible, also known as the Most High, also known as Yahweh, also known as Yeshua, <laughs> also known as what is it? Jehovah. <laughs> that God. He said he also creates evil. Now listen to this. I, the Lord, do all these things. The Most High does all these things, y'all. So why is this stuff going on right now? The Most High is having this stuff going on. Why is he having the, the wars and the fighting in the street going on? Because he orchestrated this. This is the time. Why are people divided right now? Because the Most High has orchestrated this. This is the time for division. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. It's a beautiful thing, man. Esau against Esau. Loving it. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25. And it reads, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Desolation is destruction or waste. So Yahweh said, every kingdom, Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the Bible says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself Shall not stand The reason this is so important y'all, Is because You've got Esau against Esau Divided And what does that mean In terms of their kingdom It's on its way down It's falling Hell Even here in America There's the central location Of their kingdom they just had some back and forth uh, with Speaker of the House. <laughs> they couldn't even decide on the Speaker of the House. You have the Republican Party divided against itself. I've never heard of this. Republicans pretty much speak, speak, speak together. It always be the Democrats that be fighting each other. <laughs> but now the Republicans are at each other's throats. They don't trust each other. It's a beautiful time, y'all. It's a beautiful time. And remember what Christ told us in Matthew chapter 24. He said to watch. Watch for the signs, y'all. We're there. 
going back to what I said, matter of fact, let me get this one first, too. Um, man. <clears throat> Hold on for a second, y'all. <clears throat> yeah, let's get this. Let's get Luke chapter 12, verse 51. Suppose ye. Now, this, these, this is Esau. Yahweh Shai, Jesus Christ, the anointed Savior, the King of Kings, the, the Prince of Peace, the, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Emperor himself. This is him talking. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. This is what he's saying. You think that Christ is coming back to give peace on earth? Goodwill towards men. You got that damn Christmas slogan in your head. Peace on earth. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. (laughs) Listen to what he's saying. Luke chapter 12, verse 51. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. I tell you nay. The word nay means no, y'all. Because I know a lot of people say, well, I can't read that King James Version. All those these and thous and nays and yays. Let me translate for you. Nay means no. Christ, Jesus Christ of the Bible, Yahweh Shah, his Hebrew name, Yeshua, said that he is not coming to bring peace on earth. He says, I tell you nay, but rather... Division. Christ is saying he's coming to divide. How do you know we're getting close to the end? There's a lot of division going on. And remember what Christ said, a house divided against itself is not going to stand. This is how we know Christ is on his way back because there is a lot of division going on. So what kicked all of this off? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 34, man. Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 1 Listen to this y'all Come near Ye nations Ye nations Plural To hear and hearken Ye peoples Let the earth hear And all that is therein The world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord, indignation means fierce anger. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. (laughs) So verse 1, he's calling all the nations out. He's telling them, listen up. And listen up, why? Because he's intensely angry at all nations. We're going to find out why. And his fury is upon all their armies. He had utterly destroyed them. He had delivered them to the slaughter. 
their slain also shall be cast out. Like this is past tense, but verse 3 puts it into proper perspective. Their slain also shall be. This has not happened yet, y'all. This is a future prophecy. So in the fear, in the near future, the Most High is going to call all nations out, and he's going to destroy them. Listen to this verse 3 again. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountain shall be melted with their blood. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. And the heavens, talking about the sky, there's three heavens according to, what is it, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, I think it is. <clears throat> it says, uh, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. Now, this is talking about those mushroom clouds. Nuclear thermal or thermal nuclear destruction. This is what it's alluding to in verse 4. And all their hosts, the word host means armies, all the nation's armies shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine and as a falling fig from the fig tree. So it gives the analogy of leaf falling from a tree. How uh, beautiful is this season, right? Verse 5. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. The Most High said his sword was going to be bathed in heaven. I guess we got to get this. Let me make sure I'm right, too. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 12, y'all. Second Corinthians chapter twelve and let's start at verse the verse I want. Verse two. This is Paul speaking. I knew a man in Christ above fourteen years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. So he said he met Yahweh, he couldn't tell if Christ was in his angelic form or in his uh uh terrestrial. Does God know it? Such and such and one caught up, this is the point, to the third heaven. So according to the Bible, there's three heavens. The first heaven being the sky or the firmament or the ozone layer. The second heaven being um, uh, power, rulership, and authority on the earth. And the third heaven would be where the Most High and the angels dwell. Well, this heaven that we're talking about, it's talking about in Isaiah, the 34th chapter, this prophecy. Read it again, verse 4. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. It's talking about the first heaven. The first heaven, and it's talking about the second heaven, power, rulership, and authority on the earth. It says, all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. <clears throat> talking about the ozone layer of the sky. And all their hosts, all the nation's army, shall fall down as the leaf falleth from the vine and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. So, once again, that second heaven, power, rulership, and authority, his sword is going to be bathed in that. 
So whoever's in power, rulership, and authority, they about to get this work from the Most High. So we're going to find out who it is. He, he even tells us in this very verse, Behold, it shall come down upon Idumia and upon the people of my curse to judgment. Now, we got to get this. Let's find out who Idumia is. <clears throat> so let's go to the Compact Bible Dictionary, y'all. The Zonovan Compact Bible Dictionary. And let's look up Idumia. <clears throat> and we did this hundreds of times, but for edification purposes, Idumia. Idumia, pertaining to Edom. So it's pertaining to Edom. You read about Edom in the 25th chapter of, I'm sorry, in the, the 36th chapter of Genesis. It tells you that uh, Esau is Edom. And Edom is the progenitor of, or the father of the Edomites. So it says here that pertaining to Edom, it says Greek and Roman name for Edom. Now, if you're unfamiliar with who Edom is or who Esau is, like I said, refer to Genesis, the 36th chapter. Also refer to Genesis, the 25th chapter, when Esau was born with his twin, Jacob. And we know through that description given in Genesis, the 25th chapter, that that is talking about the so-called white man. That is true beyond the reason of a doubt. We've proved it. Prove it a thousand times over. The description given it says that he's he was red and hairy. All right, the so-called white man is the shade of red. He's not any shade of brown that would be brown. He's a shade of red. And then it also talks about he's hairy. You know, there's, there's people that shave in the morning, but by five o'clock they have a five o'clock shadow. But it also goes into his mannerisms. And it says that he was a cunning hunter, meaning skillful hunter. And it talks about his impatience. And we know the so-called white man is impatient. Who else created the microwave? <laughs> Who else created uh, freeways? Who else created uh, fast track shortcuts? Him, he's impatient. Then it said he was a man of the field or a man of the world. And you think about all the um, explorers like Jocko and Marco Polo, and where are they always there? They're always all over the globe. Who've got military bases all over the planet? So that chapter is emphatically talking about the so-called white man. Those are facts. So here we find out that the most high, let me read this again, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5, or 34 and verse 5, for my sword shall be bathed in heaven. So the most high said his sword, his anger was going to be bathed in heaven. Once again, talking about that second heaven, power, rulership, and authority on earth. And then it tells us who has that power, authority on earth. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumia. Who is Idumia once again? Idumia is Edom, referring to Esau, the so-called white man, and his nation. They're in power, rulership, and authority right now, whether it be over here in America or whether it be over in the land of Israel. It says, and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with, the, with fatness and with the blood of lambs and of goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice. 
in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. Basra is a chief capital city, Idumea, the chief capital city of the Edomites, of the so-called white man. The Most High said he has a slaughter there, and he says that a sacrifice. There's another scripture that says that the wicked will be a sacrifice for the righteous. <laughs> this is what it's talking about. All right, read on because I want to get to the point. Verse 7, and the unicorns <clears throat> shall come down with them and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. This is just talking about them becoming a sacrifice for the Most High, using the analogy because this is what we would do before we had the ultimate sacrifice, which is Yahweh Shai, who the world knows as Jesus Christ, we would have to send up. Uh, animal sacrifices. So this is the Most High using that analogy, saying that these people are going to be a sacrifice. Verse 8, For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompense is the part I'm going to get to, y'all. Controversy of Zion. Who is Zion? Is talking about the people of Israel, also known as the people of Zion, man, the Israelites. Why is all this stuff going on right now? It's the controversy of Zion, the controversy of Israel. This is what is going on. Why is there controversy? Because they know who we are, and they're trying to stop us from finding out who we are and uniting, uniting and coming together as one, all under the umbrella of the Most High Christ. This is why all the major wars have been fought, y'all. Going back to World War One, which was what? The Ottoman Turks being thrown out of power by the British people, proclaiming the land of Israel, mandating it. That was World War One. It was that's what what it was about. Removing them from power and occupying what? Israel. And then shortly after, what did the British do? They gave a mandate. could come to the land of Israel as a homeland. Remember the Balfour Declaration, 1917? Hitler. This is why he expelled all the Jews and was kicking all the Jews out. He was for the Balfour Declaration. He wanted them out of Germany. So that's what most of them were. Germany, Poland, Eastern Europe, Euro-Asia, that's where they were. He was in favor of that, of them going there. That's why he was marking them. He hated them because he understood their wealth and their influence over the whole globe. White on white crime, y'all. But they are not the people of the land. So that brought us up to World War II. Now we're on the verge of World War III. And what's the centerpiece of it? What's the epic, epic, epic center? Of the beginning of World War Three, the land of Israel, y'all. <laughs> the scriptures hold true, man. I'm gonna read verse eight again. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion. This is what all these wars have been fought, and all these proxy wars have been fought. It's been fought over us, y'all. We're the main war. 
they, they've been raised war against us. Go back and read Psalms. What is the 82nd chapter? Let me get that real quick. <clears throat> Before I move on, I only got a couple minutes before I get into the topic, y'all. <clears throat> Psalms 82. I'm sorry, 83. Thy silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thy enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people. Who is the day? Let's jump down. It says, for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. So these people are confederate, meaning they join together, not just against the most high, but against the most high people also. Verse 3, I'm going to read it again. Just remind us, they have taken crafty counsel against thy people. Y'all see that? And consulted against thy hidden ones, us, the Israelites. We're the one that's hid because we don't even know our nationality. They're trying to prevent that. Now, jumping down to verse 5 again. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee and against thy people. As it says in verse 3, verse 6, let's read who the day is. The tabernacles of Edom, we just read the Most High had an issue with one of the reasons why. Edom is the so-called white man, also known as Esau. Now, listen, who else he got beef with? And the Ishmaelites. Why is the most have beef? Why is the most I have beef with the Ishmaelites? Because they're trying to claim a land that ain't theirs either. And let's not forget the sub-Saharan slave trade. They they the one that popularized slavery, that made slavery the uh, national global uh, commodity that it became. That's why the most high got beef with them. But remember, these people conspired against us. It says of Moab, talking about the so-called Chinese. And I don't care what you brothers say. And I'm proving, I got a class, I'm going to prove that Moab is in fact the Chinese. You know that the Saharan slave trade went over into China? And that the Chinese people sold us off as slaves also? The Moabites? And remember, they've been our sworn enemy since we left out of the land of Egypt. Go back and read the story about how uh, Balaam and Balak conspired <clears throat> to get us caught up. Yeshua was going over this in his class. It says, and the Hagarines, I believe these, that these are the Ashes. I might be wrong. <clears throat> the uh, Gibal and Ammon in the Japanese. Amalek. Who's the Amaleks or the Amalekites? This is going back to Edom, Genesis, the 36th chapter. He's one of the dukes of Edom, still talking about Esau. So we find out that the Edomites are distinguished here. So you have regular Edomites, common day Edomites. Then you have your elite Edomites, which would be the Amalekites, the small hats, the nominals. It says the Philistines or the Philistines. These are the Africans, the original inhabitants. It says, with the inhabitants of Tyree, more Africans. Uh, it says, Ashur also is joined with them. They have hoping the children of Lot, Salah, 
And then it goes on to name other nations that have conspired against us. This is why the Most High tells us in Isaiah chapter 34 that he has a controversy where he's calling all of the nations so he can pour out his fierce anger against them, for them coming against us, y'all. So this is what it's all about. This is what's going down right now. But once again, it's all revolved around us, the people. Not the land itself, but the people. All right, y'all, I do not want to go over time because I definitely want to get in my cl- into my class. So uh, <clears throat> let me take a brief intermission. I'll come back on the other side of it with the class, y'all. Be right back. Part three. 
<clears throat> and this is a series that I've been working on, an extensive series uh, titled Never Wax Pale. But I was attempting to walk us through the Bible and the history of the Israelites, uh, the narrative of the Bible concerning the Israelites, through their many different captivities, uh, proving that the Bible uh, has been consistently about the Israelites' plight of captivity, salvation, captivity, salvation, uh, walking us up all the way to the New Testament, to the time of Christ. <clears throat> and in this segment, continuing to prove that the uh, Gentiles that the apostles were teaching were, the, in fact, the disperse of Israel. So uh, continuing from last week, y'all, going to, uh, all right, got it. <clears throat> going back to this book entitled Caesar and Christ, and the author's name is Will Durant, page 577. Let's get that. <clears throat> and what was I? All right, here it is. It says, meanwhile, the apostles and the disciples had spread the good news chiefly among the Jews of the diaspora. Now, I'm covering after the death of Christ. After Yahushua died, this is what the disciples did. <clears throat> I'm going to read this again. Meanwhile, the apostles and the disciples had spread the good news chiefly among the Jews of the of the dispersion. So the dispersion, the diaspora, <clears throat> which is the Israelites being scattered throughout the four corners of the globe, which was first prophesied by Moses in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 64, to be precise. So it says, from Damascus to Rome, Philip made converts in uh, Samaria and Caesarea. John developed a strong church in Ephesus. And Peter preached in the cities of Syria. Like most of the apostles, Peter took a sister with him on his missions to serve as his wife and aid. I'm not, <clears throat> I haven't really validated this, but I did read another source that said the exact same thing, y'all that he did, in fact, travel with his wife. <clears throat> he healed the sick so successfully that at Samaria, a magician Simon Magus offered him money for a share in his mysterious powers. At Joppa, he raised Tabitha from apparent death. At Caesarea, he warned a Roman centurion to Christianity. Now, I covered this. What was this? Uh, la yeah, last week I covered this <clears throat> when I was dealing with Acts chapter 10 about the infamous Cornelius, and I went into how there were Israelites enlisted in the Roman legion, in the Roman army, y'all. So when it talked about this Roman centurion, this was an Israelite. Because remember, at the very the Jews taught, the Jew, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the apostles and disciples taught <clears throat> chiefly among the Jews of the, the diaspora, all right? The Israelites that were dispersed. <clears throat> all right, reading on. A vision says the book of Acts convinced him that he should accept pagan, uh, uh, 
Yeah, except pagans as well as Jewish converts. Matter of fact, that's who's in question here. They're talking about. It's talking about uh, Cornelius. This is why it's talking about uh, Peter's dream in the book of Acts, the ninth chapter. It says that he convinced him that he should accept pagan as well as Jewish converts. So the pagans were the Israelites that started practicing paganism amongst the Gentiles and became as the Gentiles who were pagans. It says, and from this time forward, with some uh, amical vacillations, he contended himself with baptizing rather than also circumcising non-Jewish proselytes. We feel some of the adorned of these early missionaries in the first epistle of Peter. So then it mentions Peter's first epistle. So we're going to go there, y'all. I'm going to read it in the Bible, and then we're going to read it in this book, Caesar uh, in Christ, which is very interesting, the way it's uh, broken down in the book. But let's get the letter of Peter first. Let's go to First Peter chapter one and verse one. <clears throat> you know, I put a uh, a, uh, <clears throat> a YouTube that Sakaria did, man, <clears throat> in which this brother, some brother, wrote up on him and was trying to battle them about the Gentiles being saved, you know, the normal nonsense. But this brother had claimed that he was once an Israelite, and now he's not. And that always baffles me, man, how brothers be said I was once an Israelite. Listen, man, if you came from the lineage of the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're always an Israelite. <laughs> you might not believe that you're an Israelite, but... The fact that you don't believe does not, like the scripture says, make the uh, word of the most the most high void. <clears throat> it don't. But anyway, back to my point. Um, this brother was coming against them, talking about uh, he was, um, or that the Gentiles could make it. And what uh, Alazar did, Gorilla Hebrew, Hebrew did, was he disarmed them. He disarmed them by telling them that they were not going to um, deal with the letters of Paul. He, and he said, well, if you believe in the letters of Paul, then Paul said I became all things to all men. So you got to become a Jew. So we're going strictly Old Testament. This is what Gorilla Hebrew told him, which disarmed him. Great tactic, man. So in, in, in turn, he had a lot of, uh, of the Israelite community come out against him saying, hey, man, how can you not accept the letters of Paul? And he had to do emphatically accept the, the uh, letters of Paul, but he uses that tactic tactic to disarm those people that only wants to stay in Paul's letters. And he went on to say and express that um, certain books of the Bible were not the inspired word of God. And he was going, uh, saying that, most of it, or a lot of it, is historical content, context, as it is. And I agree with that. I do agree with that. <clears throat> but 
I also want to, matter of fact, before I get this, man, I know I'm going off topic. <clears throat> but I got to get this. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So all scripture, including um, our history, <laughs> is given by inspiration of the Most High. So all scripture is, in fact, the inspired word of God. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So I just want to bring it out to show that all scripture is the inspired word of God, man. Not necessarily disagreeing with my brother, but just edifying. All right, back to my point. Uh, the first epistle of Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. So here is Peter starting his epistle. And the epistle is a letter. I know we read it as the book, you know, first book, second book. But it was a letter in its entirety. And he tells us in the first, very first who he is and who he wrote the letter to. So we're going to read it again. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Who are the strangers? These strangers are none other than the dispersed of Israel. The Israelites, it ain't talking about the nations, y'all. It's not. Now, I said I was going to read the same thing put a different way in the book from Caesar to Christ. And this is how the author put it. Now, listen to this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those Christian Jews, (laughs) to those Christian Jews, who are scattered as foreigners over Pontus. And the Israelites were scattered, like I cited, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 64. Yeah, listen to what he said. Who were scattered as foreigners over Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. God bless you and give you perfect peace, my beloved brethren, or my, my beloved, uh, my dearly beloved. I pray aliens and exiles, aliens and exiles. Now, who got exiled from the land? The Israelites. I hope you all understand this. It says to live uprightly, or upright lives among the Gentiles so that they may, from observing the uprightness of your conduct, come to praise God. Submit to all human authority for the master's sake. Live like free men, but do not make your freedom an excuse for wrongdoing. So he's citing 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Let me read it again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers. Who are the strangers? Those Christian Jews, <laughs> followers of Christ, those Israelites that were followers of Christ, is what it means to be a Christian, that were scattered where? Throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge. So these strangers were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, meaning what? That the Most High had prior knowledge of them. No different than it tells you in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1 and verse 5, I believe. It says, before I formed me in the belly, I knew thee. Israelites that the Most High had prior knowledge to. The Most High never had prior knowledge, intimate knowledge, of the nations. All right? And the scriptures even tell us this, y'all. Let's get Psalm chapter 147, please. Verse 19 and verse 20. Listen to this. This is what we refer to as a basic scripture. Psalms 147 verse 19. He shoots his word unto Jacob, which the Most High did. <clears throat> Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. Still talking about the nation of Israel. The word Jacob and Israel are synonymous. He had not dealt so with any nation. Y'all hear this, right? The Most High has not dealt with any nation. So how has this changed in the New Testament? It didn't. Those Gentiles in the New Testament were Israelites that grew up in Gentile nations. Verse 20 again, he had not dealt so with any nation. And that's what his judgment, they have not known them. Praise you, the Lord. So his judgments are the penalties for breaking his laws. If they never knew the judgments, then they never got the law because he never dealt with any other nation besides the Israelites. I hope everybody's seeing this, man. So don't let the terminology in the New Testament throw you off. Anyway, back to the point. So from from First Peter, let's go to Acts, y'all. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> We're going to get the aftermath of when Christ died and what the disciples did. <clears throat> so Acts chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read quite a, quite a bit of this, y'all. Acts 4 and 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people. So these were Israelites. These were the disciples. God. It says, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus, excuse me, the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed. The many of them is talking about the many of the Israelites who were known as the uncircumcised or the Gentiles, they believed. It says, and the number of the men, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 
And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and and elders and scribes and Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? So <clears throat> the disciples or the apostles were called into a council by all the high-ranking priests and authorities at Jerusalem and at his temple. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, to the healed man, by what means he is made whole. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, listen to the terminology, y'all, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him do this man stand here before you whole. Verse 11. This is and not of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Now listen to what he's saying. This is the stone. Now, he's speaking to other Israelites. Other Israelites would know what he's talking about. Why would they know what he's talking about? Let's get it. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, and let's start at verse 16. Let's go straight to the point. <clears throat> Therefore, thus said the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion, or in Israel, a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes, shall not make haste. This stone he was talking about, he's talking about Yahweh Shai, man. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He was the stone which the builders refused. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 4, and let's read this again, verse 11. This is the stone which was set at night of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. The stone, once again, is talking about Christ. Now, my point in bringing this about is to prove that Peter was talking to other Israelites. He was not talking to nations because nations wouldn't have known this because nations was not reading what we call the Torah or the Tanakh, which we commonly refer to as the Old Testament this day and age. They wouldn't have known what the hell Peter was talking about. Hope y'all see this. All right. Matter of fact, let's read this again. Isaiah 28, verse 16 again. Therefore, thus said the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tribe stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the, to the plummet. 
and the hell shall sweep away the the fugitive the the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. Hold on, y'all. No, wait a minute. I just want to verse sixteen. Sorry, y'all. I'm reading notes. Now let's go to Acts chapter six. Acts chapter six verse one. And in those days when the when the number of disciples when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. So when when the church started growing, <clears throat> there was a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Now, we're going to find out what the murmuring was about. But first, we got to clear this up, this whole Grecian thing. So let's go to uh, the Compact Bible Dictionary, page 207. <clears throat> so this was the growing of the church, and this is why I'm covering all of this. <clears throat> all right. Grecian, or Greece, is what it says, Greece. It says, Grecia, Grecians. Grecia, or Grecia, is Greece, the home of the Hellenists. Greeks and Grecians, however, are to be dis- distinguished. Greeks are generally those of Hellenistic race. Now, when it talks about the Hellenistic race or Hellenism, Hellenism took place during the time of Alexander the Greek. And what Hellenism means is all things dealing with Greece. So Greek philosophy, Greek, the Greek language, the Greek culture. And what it meant to be Hellenized meant that this Greek, you had adopted this Greek culture. So it ushered in on the Alexander the Great, and it was forced on Antiochus Epiphanes the Sixth out of the Seleucid dynasty during the time of the Maccabees. So that's what Hellenizing or Hellenistic means. It's a Hellenistic race, meaning you actually were not a Greek. You were a Greek who converted to Hellenistic principles and practices. Now, it says Greeks are generally those of Hellenistic race, and it cites Acts 16 and 1, Acts 18 and 4, and probably John 12 and 20. But the word may be used to indicate non-Jews, foreigners and aliens, Now, reading on, Grecians were Greek-speaking Jews, folks of the dispersion from areas predominantly Greek, Acts 6 and 1, (laughs) Acts 9 and 29, Greece and its associated islands. All right, I want us to understand this. So these Grecians that is talking about in Acts, the sixth chapter in verse 1. I'm going to read it again. And in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians. So who were the Grecians again? 
Grecians were Greek-speaking Jews, folks of the dispersion from areas predominantly Greek. All right? So these were Israelites. <clears throat> so these Israelites who grew up in these Roman provinces were arguing with other Israelites. And why? Let me read it. It says, in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose murmuring, murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministry. <clears throat> so you had these um, Grecians, these Israelites, who were called Grecians, <clears throat> they were having a dispute because they felt that the Israelites who knew they were Israelites, who grew up Israelites, <clears throat> were being treated better than these other Israelites who grew up in these Roman provinces. I'm approving. Verse 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the apostles was like, hey, man, look, we got too much work to do then uh, concern ourselves with this. So let's appoint these Israelites to deal with these other Israelites and this situation that's going on. Now, this was not saying that this issue wasn't important because there are some brothers that they broke this down like this was not an important issue, waiting tables. Yes, waiting tables was important. This is why they didn't just leave. They appointed someone some people to do this job because it was important. Now listen to this. This is verse five. And the same and the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Quartruus, and Nicanor, and Timons, Timon, and Parmias and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So, yeah, it was important. This is why they left these brothers to deal with that situation. Verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. All right? <clears throat> Hold on, y'all. Get my notes together. Now, I made a statement <clears throat> that these were Israelites, right? And this, and I proved that these were Israelites. <clears throat> but I have to prove the statement I said that they were uh, so-called Grecians who were Israelites were saying that they were being treated misfairly by uh, those Israelites who grew up knowing that they were Israelites. So let me prove that. Let 
Let's go to this website right here, y'all. <clears throat> this is uh, TGC, and it's got a lot of good information on it. But it's titled, The First 12 Years, What Happened to the Church Immediately After Jesus Died? So we're going to jump down to the conflict without and within. Conflict without and within, A.D. 30 through 33. Now listen to this. And Peter preached to a multitude who had gathered in Jerusalem. The church grew to about 5,000 people, Acts 4 and 4. We already read that. But not without opposition from the religious authorities, Acts 4. That's when they brought them up on trial. So this was the trouble that was within, part of the trouble anyway. And far from being a pristine community, conflict crept in at the get-go. Christians, Christians support, uh, supported widows who had no other support structure at the time. This is what we're reading by Acts chapter 6. They call them Christians, but we know they're Hebrews, <clears throat> followers of Christ. The church provided social welfare for these women. But the Greek widows, those same Grecians that we just got out of the compact Donovan Bible Dictionary, we find out were Greek-speaking Hebrews or Israelites. But the Greek widows felt that the church Jewish widows. They felt that the church, the establishment, the gathering of Israelites, they favored these Israelites widows more than these so-called Grecian widows. This was the dispute. It says, uh, Acts 6 and 1, that's what it lists. Immediately, the church responded to this inequality by appointing a special board of Divi to full equality. This group became the first deacon board of the church, Acts. All right. Yeah, I guess we could read down. Let me see. No, actually, let's go back. Yeah, we'll come back and get this. So let's go back to Acts 6 and what verse are we at? And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders. Hold on, y'all. Let me correct my notes. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's keep let's go let's go read to nine and we're gonna jump. <clears throat> and seven full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called 
the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Sicily and of Asia disputing with Stephen. So you got these cats known as the Libertines that pops up on the scene. Who the hell are the Libertines, though? So let's go once again to the Compact Bible Dictionary, John Vance. Libertines. Listen to this, y'all. Libertines. Captive Jews. So who are these Libertines? <laughs> Stay with Jews, man. They were Israelites. It says brought to Rome by Pompey in 63 B.C. Liberated subsequently and re, uh, repatriated to Palestine, where presumably they built a synagogue still occupied by their descendants. A century after Pompey's Palestine campaign, Acts 6 and 9. These people would be Roman citizens. What they were who? They were Israelites. These libertines were Israelites. I hope everybody is seeing this. Let's read this again. Acts 6 and 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Sicily and of Asia disputing with Stephen. Now, remember, it said that these libertines were took from Jerusalem during the conquest of Pompeii, and we definitely going to get that one. But let's go here first. All right, let's go to Wikipedia. It says, Synagogue of the Libertines. According to Acts, according to the Acts of the Apostles, the Synagogue of the Libertines, it says, I.G., King James Version, Wycliffe Bible, or Synagogue of the Freed Men. So when they said that they were libertines, they were just saying that they were free men. They, when it says they're, they're liberal, the word liberal means free. <laughs> when you liberate somebody, you free them. So this is why it says they were called libertines because they were freed, and they went back to Jerusalem, and when they got there, they built the temple. These were Israelites. It says were a group of Hellenistic Jews who disputed with St. Stephen. Acts 6 and 9. Reading on, it says, the meaning of libertine in the in this passage is, di- is different from the generally understood continuation of a dissolute person. In this instance, libertine refers to one has been liberated, that is, a former slave or freed man. Those attending this particular synagogue might also include the descendants of such freed men. Opinion is divided as to the number of synagogues named here. The probability is that there are three corresponding to the genealogical genealogical regions involved, Rome and Italy. So these so-called libertines had synagogues elsewhere. Northeast Africa, Asia Minor. In this case, the synagogue of the Libertines is the assembly of the free men 
from Rome, descendants of the Jews, enslaved by Pompey after his conquest in Judea in 63 B.C. That goes hand-in-hand with what we just read out of the Compact Zonavan Bible Dictionary. Hope everybody's seeing that. Now, it did mention Pompey's... Um, matter of fact, let me keep reading. It says... Hold on, y'all. I'm sorry. Hold on for a second, y'all. Sorry about that. I am back. Nature called. Um, here you go. <clears throat> Still talking about the libertines, y'all. So I'm going to read this part again. It says, um, the, prob- the probability is that there are three corresponding to the geographical regions involved, Roma, Italy, Northeast Africa, and Asia Minor. In this case, the synagogue of the libertines is the assembly of the free men from Rome, descendants of the Jews, enslaved by Pompey after his conquest of Judea in 63 B.C. However, taken closely together, the first name must denote the people of some city or district, the obscure town Libertone, inferred from the title as specias libertias in connection with the synagogue of cartridge is less likely than the reading underlying certain Aramaean versions and Syratic commentaries. The Greek towns lying west from from Cyrene of uh, uh, yeah from Cy. Uh, I'm butchering it, y'all. From Cyrene, uh, would naturally be called Libya. Consequently, these returned Jews, this is the part I want to get to, instead of being libertized by their residence abroad, were more tenacious of Judaism 
and more bitter against Stephen than those who had never left Judea. So y'all see who the libertines were. So these libertines mentioned in Acts chapter 6 and verse 9 were Israelites who were removed out of Jerusalem during the conquest of Pompeii. Now, we got one, two, two different sources all saying the same thing. Now, watch this. Just to uh, correspond to history and the timeline of it, <clears throat> let's get from Babylon to Timbuktu. Page 84. Listen to this. In the year 65 B.C., the Roman armies under General Pompey captured Jerusalem. So this goes hand in hand. I know it says 65 B.C. in here. The other article said one said 63. The other one said 64. So around the same timeline. But the fact is that Pompey had an expedition into Jerusalem, and he had conquered Jerusalem and took a lot of Israelites out of Jerusalem. And these Israelites had returned to Jerusalem during the time of Christ, during the time of Paul the Apostles, and had set up synagogues, and now were known as the Libertines, y'all. Hope everybody's seeing this. Let's go back to Acts chapter 6 and read verse 9 again. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Sicilia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. And I want us to also keep this in mind. The Israelites had a, a large community in the cities of Alexandria. Matter of fact, the general we was going over last week uh, that was in the Roman army was from Alexandria, Egypt. He had a lot of Israelites that came from Alexandria, Egypt. All right, reading on the Acts, where are we at? <clears throat> And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So this is the accusation they had against Stephen. And once again, man, this is some jealousy stuff going on. These libertines had beef with other Israelites that never were uh, exiled, never were uh, slaves. They had beef with them. See how we had this internal beef going on, man, this bickering amongst one another? We still got it going, this, going on this day and age. Over the smallest minute of, of things, man, just ignorant. Verse 12, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the custom which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council. Now listen, before I read that, verse 14. 
For we have we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. These are still the libertines talking, which proves the proof that I brought out that these were Israelites. They're talking about the custom of Moses. How would they be familiar with the custom of Moses if they was from another nation, if they was truly Gentiles? They would they have no idea. Like I just read in Psalm chapter 147, verse 19 and 20, the Most High never dealt with the other nation. So they would not know this information. They would not be privy to it. I want us to keep that in mind, man. We be we, we reading completely over stuff. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 7, verse 1. We're going to jump around. <clears throat> then said the high priest, or these things so. So they got Stephen in the trial, they putting them on blast, and he says this, verse 2. And he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. Listen, man. How the hell could he be talking to other nations? He said, our father Abraham, when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Sharon, and said unto him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and, and, and come into the land which I shall shew thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldees, and dwelt in Sharon, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land, wherein ye now dwell, which is Jerusalem. Listen, this is Stephen giving these Israelites, these libertines, <laughs> and these, these Jews from Alexandria, from Cyrene, from Sicily, and from Asia, giving them a history lesson. That's what he's doing. Now, we ain't going to read the whole chapter. We're going to jump around a little bit. <clears throat> so let me jump to verse 8. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. So Abraham did get the covenant of circumcision from the Most High. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. This is how the 12 tribes came about, y'all. Once again, he's given us, giving them, those Israelites <clears throat> that were once enslaved, took out of Jerusalem by Pompeii in 65 or 65, giving them a history lesson of our people. Verse 9. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and delivered him out of all his affliction and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now there came a dress over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers found no substance. So he's talking about the famine that happened that caused Jacob to send his sons to Egypt where they met Joseph, their brother, who they had sold to the Egyptians. <clears throat> they sold him off into slavery. So let's jump down to verse 37 now. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you 
of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear. Now listen to this, because he's quoting Old Testament. This is in Deuteronomy. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. What church was in the wilderness, y'all? I like to always bring this scripture up. <laughs> the word church, the root word of church is a gathering. It means to gather, a group of people that are gathered. What group of people has gathered historically under the umbrella of the Most High? It's been the Israelites. This is why he said this is he that was in the church in the wilderness. What church that was in the wilderness? Remember how the Israelites walked in the wilderness for 40 years? This is what he's talking about. You got Paul in the book, I forget which chapter Acts. He said the Most High suffered our mannerisms for 40 years in the wilderness. This was the church. People think that by the time you make it to the New Testament, the concept of the church is new. No, it's not. It just means gathering, a gathering of people. What people? The Israelite people. So reading this again, verse 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers, who received the lively oracles to give unto us. It says, To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt, saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, for as for this Moses which brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. This was Moses disappeared, was on the mountain, getting the commandments. And Aaron turned around and made this calf, as we're going to read on. And they made a calf in those days, and offered sacrifice unto idols, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven. Now, who did the Most High originally give this to, to worship the host of heaven? He gave it to the nation. You can read that in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. He gave, the, he gave the nations to worship the whole host of heaven, to be pagans, not the Israelites. He gave that to the Gentiles. As it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness? Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Molech and the store of your god Remphan, uh, figures ye, made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. So the first tabernacle or the first temple. This is when the temple actually was moved. We were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. We had to break the, the, the temple down the tabernacle down, which was a tent, relocated, then set it back up. This is what he's talking about, that he should make it according to the fashion that he that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus. Now, this here is talking about um, Joshua. <clears throat> so this is properly translated Joshua. This ain't talking about your house shot. 
says, "Was also our fathers that came, also brought in with Joshua Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers until the days of David." Now, remember, he's talking to Israelites, and he's talking about Gentiles that the Most High drove out. Y'all see this? How could the Most High drive these Gentiles out? And you can go back to Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, and, and see how he told us to kill these Gentile nations. So how could he tell us then to kill them, but now all of a sudden in the New Testament, they're going to be part of the kingdom with us? That makes no sense. That would contra- completely contradict the Bible. We you know who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Israel. But Solomon built him a house. How be the most high dwell, not in temples made with hands, as said the prophets. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will he build me, said the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Had not my hands made all these things? Ye stiff neck and uncircumcised heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. And we know the Holy Ghost is the, the Holy Scriptures, the tangible part of the Holy Ghost anyway, according to uh, St. John chapter 15, 14 and 26. St. John chapter 15, verse 26. Verse 52. Which of the prophets have your, have your fathers persecuted? Just to what he said. He said, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? What Gentiles fathers was persecuting prophets? Uh, that didn't happen. Who was persecuting the prophets? Israelites were. He's speaking to Israelites. Y'all, I hope y'all see this. And they have slain them with shoe before of the coming of the judgment, that's Christ, of whom ye have been now the betrayer of So he, this is Stephen giving the history of the Israelites to the Israelites, y'all. And that was the 62nd mark, y'all. So I think I'm going to no, keep reading. Verse 53. Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept the time of the Israelites? Verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out, our voice, and stopped their their ears and ran upon him with one accord. All right, y'all. So this is a good place to stop. I'm going to stop here and... Hopefully, uh, Lord willing, next week I'll pick up right here at my place. Um, I like to say the water to the brother Mashaba for hooking up the broadcast. The water, thank everybody else for uh, tuning in the Blog Talk Radio Bible Talk, and everybody for y'all support, man. And until next week, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to talk a pot Tuesday. 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 Every Tuesday. And with that, we're going to say shalom.